Uh, I am honestly so excited to say this, and, and everything I am, but this one uh, in particular. Uh, ben Stoltz, who's uh, been raised at Crossroads, part of the Crossroads family forever, uh, went to Cal Baptist, graduated uh, from Cal Baptist. Uh, we just hired Ben, the guy who started this uh, out today. He is going to be the director of fine arts for Crossroads Christian Schools and High School. Isn't that awesome? I am not kidding. Where these schools are going is, oh, it's incredible. But anyway, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, what we're about to talk about right now, uh, I really believe can be life-changing and incredible, and I want us to grab hold of it. So let's talk to God. I'm going to ask that we pray together, and I want you just to really ask God to, to speak to your heart today, to open you up to him, to his love, to what he has for you individually and for us together. Let's pray. I hope you sense, sense his presence and his love. And our Abba Father, we know we know there's not a person sitting here right now who, Lord, you don't think about them and you look at them and love them and you know us by name. You know our, our dreams, our hopes, you know our destiny, you know what we could accomplish, and you know the trials, you know the tribulation, you know the at times we've been devastated. And yet you're a God who takes all of that and puts it together to make it something beautiful and incredible. You're our Father, you're our Dad. And I ask right now that your spirit move. Lord, open us up to you. Let us hear from you. Make this time incredible, I pray, because it's with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what we're talking about right now is we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus began it uh, with eight times calling out the word makirios, which we translate blessed. Uh, it's a Greek word that literally means to be supremely happy. Now, what I want you to grab and not miss is when Jesus started this out, what he was saying is because he loves us, because he loved the people there that day, and because he wanted his word to go out through all generations, because he loves you, he wants you to be a supremely happy person. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be happy in every single moment, but it does mean that overall you're going to be a happy person living a life that has meaning and fulfillment with joy and love and satisfaction and, and significance to it. And, and oh, he wants it for you. He wants it for me. He wants it for us because he loves us and because he wants us to know that God wants to love us like a father. So he begins saying it begins with eight attitudes we call the Beatitudes. And then it goes into a section saying, but make sure you live your life according to God's word. And then out of that he says, and make sure that you live a righteous life and you, you have your personal relationships uh, put in place correctly so you have deep, deep love, a pure love with people in your life. God wants that for you. Then in Matthew 6, he picks up with what it means most of all to relate to our Heavenly Father. To have the kind of intimacy we need to have, the kind of love we need to have, the life we need to have with him. He says, I want you to have it. And so we saw last week, he said, it will never ever work if you walk around just putting on a show. If you're more of basically a religious person than having an intimate, 
very real relationship with him. And God's desire is that you would have this very real relationship. And the foundation of this relationship is prayer. He wants you to be someone who really prays. And, and then he begins to tell us what it is and what it isn't. And we need to lock that into our minds. We need to understand the power of prayer, the joy of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer, all of that that comes in really, truly praying correctly. I know a lot of people pray. As a matter of fact, a survey I saw said that 88% of the people in this country pray regularly. But, but here's the thing. Are they really entering into what Jesus imagined for you? What he wanted for you to have? And, and, and I want to say not being judgmental. I just know people aren't. And, and he wants it to be real and powerful and incredible. I don't know if you heard about the guy one time who, who uh, man, he had a love of nature, but he also was a hunter. And he decided that, that his dream in life was to bag a grizzly bear. And you may not agree with that, but that was his dream. And so what he did is he got a tag, and he and his friend agreed to go out hunting. And uh, the day came, and, and, and his friend got sick. And he said, oh, man, I got to go anyway. I can't miss this day. I mean, and so he went out hoping and praying he would actually be able to shoot a grizzly bear and bring it back and have it as a rug in his house. And so he's hiking along, and he sees bear tracks, and he sees droppings. And he comes into a clearing, and he looks out there, and in the middle of the clearing is the biggest grizzly bear he's ever seen in his life. And he's like, oh. And he lifts the gun up a little bit nervous and shaking and, and, and aims at the bear, and he pulls the trigger, and click, nothing happens. The gun jams. And he's looking at it. The bear hears the click and spins around, sniffs into the wind and smells him, and he's standing there trying to unjam the gun. The bear does a false charge and stops and growls with this growl. And he's like, oh, and he pulls up again and pulls nothing. The gun's jammed. Now the bear's running at him at 35 miles an hour. He throws the gun at the bear, does nothing. And he turns to run, and this bear knocks him to the ground and flips him over and puts his paws right into his chest. The big old teeth are right in his face. And all of a sudden, he didn't know why he did it. He screams out, oh, Lord God, make this bear a Christian bear. <laughs> and with that, the bear gets on its knees and says, thank you, Father, for the food I'm about to receive. <laughs> Jesus is saying to us, I want our prayers to be real. I want them to be genuine and I want them to be real. And look what he, how he says it. If you have your Bibles, or by the way, I need to say this. If you have your Bible or your phone or your Kindle or your iPad or you got it memorized, let's do this together. Matthew 6, 5 to 8. When you pray, you are not to pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, that's all they're going to get out of it. He then says this, he says in verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room and close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, do you notice this term, Father, Father, Father? You need to lock that in your minds. I need to, too. And he says, and notice that God wants to answer your prayer. When you do it right, he wants to say yes. He wants to reward you for it. Verse 7 says, And when you are praying, do not, now catch this, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus said, I, I want you to pray for real. That's what he's saying. I want it to be real. I don't want you putting on a show. I don't want you heaping a ton of words on this. I don't want you to think that if you chant something, that that somehow will cause God to come and listen. 
I don't want you to, by the way, it's interesting, we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer in a moment. He said, I don't want you to take what that is and just repeat it over and over. I want it to be real talk, very intimate, real communication. I think it's interesting to know that's God's great desire that we would have that and that it would be very, very real to us. And a lot of people, I think, miss out that what is prayer? It's just really spending some great time talking to God. Uh, I have a friend named Tommy Oaks. He's, man, I love this guy. And he, and he really encourages me spiritually. We're going to have Tommy here one day, and you'll love him. He's a guy from Tennessee. He's kind of a good old boy. And uh, Tommy was talking with me. He said, Chuck, how's your prayer life? And he began to dig in, and we talked together about how to really get close to God. And he said, you know what I do? He said, you know what I actually did? I, it, Tommy, anybody go to the Cracker Barrel? You ever been to a Cracker Barrel? He, uh, he went to the Cracker Barrel and bought a rocking chair for God brought it home and put it in his study. And what he does, he gets up in the morning with a cup of coffee and sits there and looks into that rocking chair and he and God just talk. Now that's great prayer. That's great prayer. Really, just really talking with the Lord. Very intimate, very real. It's just incredible to be able to do that. And God wants you to be able to experience him that way. See, a lot of people get a lot of ideas in their mind that aren't really true about prayer. Uh, One of them is this. Well, you got to shut your eyes when you pray. I, had a, I actually had someone come up and say, hey, I'm so concerned because sometimes when you pray, not everybody shuts their eyes. Now, I want you to know nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to try, shut your eyes. Where that came from is your second grade Sunday school teacher who didn't want you to mess with the kid next to you. That, that's where that came from. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he prayed, it says he looked up into heaven. Now, so, you know, you don't have to shut your eyes. Now, by the way, when I pray at the end of this time, usually I I shut my eyes here. Now, when I'm at home or I'm in the car, (laughs) in the car, I don't shut my eyes when I pray. I don't know if you heard about Chuck Smith. I love Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. He said when he was nine years old, all of a sudden the faith became amazingly real to him. And so he just got so caught up in God. One day he's riding his bike and he just wanted to pray. So he shut his eyes. And crashed into a car. <laughs> a lot of people do that on the 91. Uh, you don't have to shut your eyes when you pray. You just talk to God. You just talk. Now, I just real quickly, I do that very often here because it just makes it easier for me to tune into him and not look at a lot of you. Uh, uh, no offense. But, but the bottom line is, is God wants it to be real. And then he says, don't do a lot of meaningless repetition. He couldn't be clearer about it which it makes it really sad, and I want to use that word meaning it, very sad that it's about 200 years later that the church adopts this whole idea of chanting and, and doing meaningless phrases, some of which have nothing to do with God himself, thinking that somehow you'll come to God that way. And Jesus says that isn't what it's about. It's about a very real relationship with the Father who wants to reward you. And so he says, don't get caught up in that. And then now what we're about to do is starting in 6 verse 9, is Jesus is going to teach us to pray using the Lord's Prayer. Grab this. Here in Matthew 6, he teaches it. And over in Luke chapter 11, uh, the apostles come to him. And I think this is very interesting to note. These are men who all their lives had prayed at least three times a day. They had gone to temple at different times to pray. They had gone through different times where they would pray more than three times a day. And then what happens is they get around Jesus. And they hear how he prays. And these men who prayed every day of their life look at him and say, Would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? And Jesus in Luke 11 and Matthew 6 uses the same lesson. Now, by the way, he's not saying to use these exact words. If you grab that, you've missed the whole point. What he's saying is, I want you to do it like this. 
I want you to talk to God like I'm telling you to. Now, there's some things we can't miss. But, but it's not about a rote repetition. It's about a very real intimate conversation. And that's why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Starts out our. Know that you're not in this alone. Know that you have a family. Know you're supposed to be in community. And while he is your father, he's our father. But then don't miss that he is your father. The whole idea is when you come to God, you're coming to him as your dad. Now don't miss what that means. Don't miss it. God, Jesus said, the very beginning, the most important thing for you to grab is the intimacy of what you're about to do. You're not praying into a God who's way out there. You're not praying into just the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You're talking to your dad and he wants to be your dad. He's not an absent father. He's a very real intimate father who wants an amazing intimacy with you. He wants love to be shared, life to be shared, deep, rich communication to happen in your life. That's God's great desire for you. And and he wants you to to call him dad. He wants you to come to your dad. Uh, Pastor Gil, who's one of the pastors on our staff, he leads our Spanish ministry. Everybody, we love it when Gil prays. But do you know how almost always he starts his prayer? He starts it out, Papa. Papa, and oh, that's a very accurate term biblically to how to come to God. And when Gil does it, you can just tell the meaning of it. And whenever he does it, man, my heart leaps. And I believe the heart of God leaps. I really do. And Gil's got what it means in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, where it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And the word Abba is the Aramaic word for daddy. You come to him saying, Daddy, Daddy, Father. And when God finally reaches a place with you where you know he loves you like that and you love him like that, the heart of God is just overwhelmed with joy. That's what he wants. That's his desire. I was talking to a woman one time who married into a blended family. Her kids and the husband's kids now were all in one household and it wasn't going well. There was an eruption. It just seemed like she and the 16-year-old daughter were at war. She didn't want her there. She felt like she was taking her dad out of her life. She didn't like her mom not being there. And, and this woman tried to maintain her boundaries, but she loved this girl. And that just made it more frustrating. And she watched, and she just constantly just pushed her away. And uh, one day she, she comes home and she opens the door. And there's this 16-year-old girl sitting there, crying her eyes out. And she walked over and said, are you okay? And she just looked up at her and said, can I help? And, and, and she goes, no, no. And she goes, well, what's wrong? She goes, nothing. And she thought, all right. She walked into the kitchen. A few minutes later, she hears the footsteps and turns around, and she's standing there crying. And she said, I, I'm sorry. I do want to talk. And they went and sat at the table, and she poured out the pain and the hurt of what it meant when her friends had just turned on her. And she was just so devastated and so hurt. And they sat and talked and talked. This woman told me, she said, Chuck, I was not at all happy for what happened to her. But I got to tell you, there was this joy inside me because now we're talking for the first time. And she's opening up to me. And so all every tear meant something to me in every moment. And I treasured it like you can't believe. After they were done talking, she, she said, I'll pray with you. And she hugged her. And, and they got dinner ready. And, and everybody ate dinner. And they had their night together. And then when it was nighttime and all the kids are in bed, this uh, stepmother's walking by the door. And she opened it up and leaned in. And she said, are you okay? And she said, well, I am. And then as she's about to shut the door, she hears these words. Thanks, Mom. 
Thanks, Mom. And her heart leapt, and she just started to cry. Now, I want to tell you, that's how God feels when you finally understand, and when I finally understand what this really is all about. He's your dad. He's your dad. He loves that. He wants to be that. The Holy Spirit comes into your heart crying out to you, Abba, Father. As a matter of fact, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 says, because you are sons, because you really are his children, we don't just use that term loosely, because it's real, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit says, I want to teach you something. Know him as your dad. Know him as your daddy. Don't miss what that means. And again, the heart of God leaps for it. The other day I was standing in the parking lot of an olive garden with my grandson Liam in my arms. And I'm playing with him and talking and all of a sudden out of his little lips come, Papa. And I jumped and leaped for joy I've got him and I'm bouncing around. And I said, he said, Papa. He said, Papa. And Pam's like, he didn't mean it. Oh, he meant it. No, he meant it. And, uh, and, and I, I'm just sure he did. And, and you ready for this? Since that happened, matter of fact, I think I shared last week that it happened. Since that time, four times, four times he has called me Papa. I, I, the other day I'm sitting on the carpet and he's on the other side of the kitchen island and I said, where's your papa? And that little head leaked, uh, looked out and he goes, papa. And I'm, oh, and I'm going nuts. And I do want to remind everybody here, he's not said Grammy once. <laughs> it just rejoices the heart of God when you come to him that way. So Jesus says, come to him intimately. Come to him as your father. Come to him as your dad. That's where it all begins, and understand that. The next thing is come to him with respect. Uh, and by the way, I don't think that takes away the intimacy at all. And maybe it's because I was raised in a very healthy family. My dad uh, was an incredible father. My mom, a great mom. And the reality was, is my dad was a man of respect, but he was also a very close father. We were close all the days of my life. Uh, uh, but that didn't mean I didn't respect him. I have an immense respect for him. And when I was little, he made sure I had that level of respect. And it was out of love for me. And, and, and nobody likes a bratty kid. Uh, by the way, I don't know, again, if you agree with this, but my dad uh, practiced uh, a, a discipline. Very often, the rod of discipline was applied to the seat. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and so he would be 